Welcome to season four of the Coffee and Geography podcast. The aim of the show is to get to know, explore, and celebrate the diverse and intersectional range of people and their love for the world. Join your host, Kit Marie Rackley, and have fun exploring all the myriad of ways guests can connect their lives to geography. Today, let's listen to Self-Publishing, Inspiring Young People with Marine Biology, Being a Northerner from the South, Rummaging Through Victorian Rubbish Dumps, Amongst Other Things, Got Your Brew Ready, Great, Enjoy the Listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coffee and Jog Free podcast. We're back again. We're really underway with season four now, well into the way of 2024 by the time of, of listening. Um, and I'm joined with someone for, so I'm speaking on a podcast, on a podcast for the second time, because it's not the first time we've chatted. Andrew Kane, nice to see you again. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm looking forward to it, Kit. Yeah. So the first time we chatted actually was for the um, the reteach project, um, which folks of this podcast should know a bit about. Um, so, but if you don't, there is a previous episode from last season. You can go and listen to all about the reteach project, especially if you're an educator, a science or a geography educator. And that's um, kind of what you are, Andrew. You are a you, you're a science teacher, I believe. I am, yes, for my uh, for my geography. Sins, yes. Um, not geography, unfortunately. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I was originally a biology teacher, but then they run out of physics teachers, and so I've been doing that for ten years now. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you've kind of like come into my neck of the woods then, because my background's all in physics and atmospheric physics and stuff like that. So yeah, okay, yeah well, I end up being a geographer. So it's you know, it's all cross pollination anyway. <laughs> really isn't it they moved me to the dark side dark side um and andrew you have the shortest bio that everyone anyone has ever sent me so folks here's the introduction to andrew andrew kane is a teacher an idiot and likes a laugh that's it that's it that's all you (laughs) wrote there's no need for any (laughs) more I well, like a laugh, and I'm a teacher. Full stop. Well, on the on the basis of our last discussion, it really was quite you know it was um, a laugh, definitely. I mean, the the, the reteach podcast, folks, is, is is a little bit more formal than than the coffee and geography podcast, but we somehow managed to have a few giggles even in that one, didn't we? <laughs> so, uh, folks, you get ready for it because there's gonna yeah, there's gonna be some uh, some fun things to listen to here. But you you did give me a bit more information, so I will give that to folks. So. Um, if if the name is familiar to you folks is that andrews actually wrote uh, three books uh, as he put it to help people without a scientific background understand the amazing life beneath the waves um and you've got three up there which you can get access on all kinds of platforms not just the big jeff bezos one but uh, speaking of that one you're yeah you're, you're highly rated you're doing really well i mean you're um I think marine biology, which is your second of your book of your third series, I think, I think it wasn't it like got to number one of uh, of the of the category of the sellers list on Amazon. It did, yeah. I was yeah. very chuffed about that. Yeah, it was quite happy. well, obviously over the moon when that happened. I didn't yeah. think it would happen, but it did. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we'll talk a bit about that a bit later in the podcast, folks. So, um, about Andrew's books, but the the one in particular that's great, seemed to gain a lot of traction. The one you've done really well on is the second edition. Uh, marine biology for non-biologists and you've got 420 423 reviews and you've, you've got an, it's an average of well almost five stars so you know that's not bad you always have to look when you see these things you've got to be in the hundreds or more with reviews haven't you before you trust them it's yes like, yeah, yeah. You just when be getting I, all your I, friends and family to write reviews yeah yeah i mean i've got about 500 mates <laughs> but um but we're definitely of the same ilk really because it's both of what we do is try and communicate science to people without a scientific background so myself with climate change and 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 that respect and yourself with um with uh, oceanography marine biology stuff like that and you run a a, a marine biology club for year 10s which is really interesting because when you think of school clubs extra activities and stuff like that of course you, you get your your geography you get your geography club your history club you know music you know maybe you've got a little bit more specialist things like board games chess club whatever like that. but i don't think it's that common actually is it to have a, a marine biology club that's pretty cool well i'm really chuffed with it i mean we started it last year um and it's been something i've been wanting to do 
And so I thought, why not? I'll pass it by the head, see what they feel. And um, you've got to remember, we're in Warrington. And um, we serve a, a very deprived area. So a lot of these, a lot of these childrens, the only the only time they're seeing the sea is from an arcade in Blackpool. You know that's right. it. Yeah. You know, so never mind knowing what an animal is or or any what a coral is or anything like that. So we had to go and uh, went round and publicised it in the school, and lo and behold, we had a load of them come down, and it was really it was I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic, and so we went through all. All the biology, all the f- oceanography, um, they just lapped it up. They worked really hard. But then at the end of it, we took them down to the School of Ocean Sciences in Bangor. Oh, wow. And so they had a day out in the university. And, of course, they, these these are year 10s, so they've never seen the inside of, a, of an ocean science lab or anything like that, or growing plankton in big bucket, you know, big buckets and things. Yeah. And then we took them down, we caught some zooplankton, um, took it back to the labs, did some, they could identify the species um, through the microscopes. Then they did some fluid experiments, saw how the water stratifies with temperature and everything. And then we all went home and it was brilliant. It was absolutely amazing. I've got to thank, oh. thank um, the university for that. And we'll be doing it again this year. Oh, that is a ma- What an experience for those kids. Oh, yeah, I, I want to yeah, talk they- a bit about the Warrington area a bit more detail in a minute, but let's keep going on that. So, Bang. I mean, Bangor is, I mean, if you look, if you've got a map of the UK, I mean, it doesn't seem to be that bad, you know, that hard to ex- access from where you are, but I'm guessing get, you know, it's a whole world away for these kids. Oh yeah, really? absolutely. Absolutely. Really? They've, 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 they've never, they've hardly ever got out of Warrington. A lot of these kids. That's amazing. They hardly ever go out of the area where they live. Never yeah. mind going anywhere, anywhere nice. So it blew them away. And, you know, it's not their fault. You've always got, got to remember it's not their fault where they live. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, which is why terms like postcode lottery and stuff like that exist, don't they? I yeah. mean, it's Yeah, I mean, so, folks, if you're not sure, um, it's a good segue to where Andrew's actually uh, lives and works. So if you if we start with, with Bangor first, Bangor University, that's in northern Wales, and if you've got that, that large island that sits off the northwest coast of Wales, and that's the Isle of Anglesey, and kind of like Bangor is sitting kind of right there across the estuary, uh what i can't remember though if, if it's on the west or the east side i think it's the west is it the east side of of the what? of the manai strait i think oh it, it's off the west side okay no so, east side i was east side. east and yeah. west it's, it's, on, it's on the mainland up. yeah side yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right and then the other side of that you've got the isle of anglesey and and stuff like that and then and then you kind of if you trace your trace the road along the north coast of wales Go past Clendidno, a place I've been to. It's a lovely place. And then you come to uh, the Mersey estuary and you've got Liverpool. And then you've got, you can see a big chunk on the map where you've got Liverpool. And then you've got a little bit of space, a big chunk on the map where you've got Manchester. And pretty much smack bang in the middle of those two conurbations is Warrington. So There's Warrington. Warrington. So tell us a little bit about, so you've already given us a bit of a, a bit of a, uh, an insight then with regards to the students you teach. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about Warrington as, as, as a place kind of like maybe based on, on the experiences that you've got with the kids there. And um, is there an identity it, crisis between Liverpool and Manchester? <laughs> oh, but just a little bit, but if you're talking about Warrington, like, um, it's something it rhymes, something put a word in front of hole that will get you, that'll get it right. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> no, it's a lovely place. I've lived here nearly all my life now. With mum and dad, my mum and dad moved us up here when I was about seven, and we we lived down south. And so I came up here being an avid supporter of West Ham United. And <laughs> yeah. so, so, of course, I've lived in between Manchester and Liverpool for all my life, supporting West Ham. So I've had an hard life. <laughs> But but the Warrington itself is, is is you know it's like every place. There's some beautiful places and there's some not so beautiful places. You know it's just like it's just a, a northern town, fantastic rugby club, um, mm, yep. and really that's a, that's just a northern town. Good place to live. So when when you've got, as I mean these these kids then that come from Warrington, you say they've some of them don't even get do they even get the chance to it sounds like what you're saying that like maybe blackpool if they're if they're lucky and they can go out on a family day out or something like that which is a little bit to the north but 
they very rarely kind of venture into maybe even Liverpool or Manchester as which even though they're yeah, kind of really up right there. Not not a lot of it. Not a lot of it will go on. No, we'll, um, again, you know, you've got the nice places in Warrington where you know that their, their kids will be going all over the place. And oh, everything. indeed, They'll yeah. be going abroad and everything. And then you've got other areas um, where a lot of them, a lot of them, won't be going very far at all. It's 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 it's, it's, it's not you know it's not horrible for them really. You know, they've got no life experience, experience, and um, you've got that's what we've got to try and give them some experience in life rather mm. than um, well, seeing what out what's out there rather than just what they're used to. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 something that I think geographers and scientists can definitely definitely agree on. You know, in our banter on competent. Oh, I can't even talk, Andrew, today. Um, I'm not going to edit it out, folks. I like owning that. Um, competitiveness. There you go. Banterous competitiveness. That's what I was going for. Um, so, were you yourself then? You, you said you said you've been been there most of your life. So, I'm I'm kind of like similar to you. I've not moved too far away from my roots. So, I'm originally from North London, the uh, Essex area. So, talking to a West Ham fan here, and I'm a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. Uh, <laughs> um, no way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And I've moved up to uh, near Norwich. So I haven't gone too far away, but I, but that is far enough removed for me to be, you know, something different from North London and whatnot. So, I mean, we, you definitely don't sound like you, you would have sound like me probably when we, if we were, when we were both seven years of age, we probably would have sound similar, but yeah. you've got a very strong accent now. Um, yeah. And so perhaps apart from maybe your accent, is there... Is there any part of that kind of like Londoner that's still in you or or are you kind of like now like Northwest, you know, Merseyside, all that kind of stuff? You just feel it in your heart and soul. What, 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 how is, how is oh, your, where I'm you live London now? Is, the South has gone many years ago. <laughs> okay. You don't even remember it really. No, I, you know, you could say I'm a Northerner, <laughs> although the Northerners would never admit that. They say, no, ah, right. yeah. <laughs> you've got to be, you know, you've got to be here all your life. So, hey, ho, that's the way it goes. So you can be 87, you know, living, living the best bits, living the bits bit of your life out. And you're like, as soon as they find out you've had those seven years out of that 87 down south, you'll be like, nah, you're not a northerner, lad. That's it. It's <laughs> like you're not on an island. If you're not born on the island, you're not an islander. <laughs> That's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, I've got one of my really, really like closest friends is is from uh, Liverpool, from Formby. Um, and she says that, you know, she lives down here now, but, but she says that, she she can't she she will never kind of like have that kind of like Norfolk kind of part of her as as strong as her Liverpudlian part of her, and she says that the 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 way that people speak it's like it's it's there is a lot of banter a lot of friendly banter but it's a lot of loving banter. She said well, you don't quite get that down here when somebody's making fun of someone down here you you don't really know if they're serious or not you know you're like oh, hang on a minute and you can take offense quite she says you go up there you have to take everything with a pinch of salt is that does that sound about right to you no oh, god yeah you can't you can't be see you've got to you've got to yeah definitely so it's um good sense of humor basically a really good sense of humor and there's nothing you know a lot of the a lot of the people you know just they live for it mm. you know they just they just live for it because it's their escape it's an escape as well you know, but it's just um, it's just the way we all are. But it's also like I say, a, a whole northern thing, not just Warrington and Liverpool. I'd say you, know, you go over to Yorkshire, they're just the same, yeah. and <laughs> you go further up north, they're just the same. You know, it's just there is a there is a huge north south divide on that. I think mm. it's it's, a, it's strange. It's a weird thing because there's no reason for it. Yeah, no, no you're right, and it's, you seem. The other thing I've noticed as well is that the further, the kind of further north you get, it's almost like there's there's more of a carefree self deprecation kind of going on, where they're more people are more likely to to without any shame make fun of themselves as well, but not but not to put themselves down, to kind yeah. of like as in you know we just go with a go with the flow with life, you know, and yeah. I mean, you got to, well, you know, you, you know, we've got to take the piss out of ourselves because if we don't, somebody else will. So that's the way we do it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering if there's a, like a, but a kind of, and I, I have no clue, folks, because this is not, this is complete speculation. This is not my expertise at all. But I'm wondering if there is like a historical basis in all that. The fact that the South had all the power, 
you know, and the control and, and the center of power was like London, all that kind of stuff where, where you couldn't take yourself too seriously if you were away from that area, because you, you know, you've, you, you, I wouldn't say you had less, to, you had less to live for and that's not the right way of saying it, but maybe you had more carefree attitude because down South, they just want to keep hold of their, you know, their privilege, their power, their whatever. And they take themselves too seriously. Whereas the further away yeah. you got up towards up north, people are like, ah, oh, sod it, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you look at the history of it, um, I think that's a, a good one because we've got um, the cotton mills, um, then you've got the miners, um, mm, yeah, you know, and you know they worked hard, they worked really hard. That's where my family, you know, a lot of my family's uh, is rooted in the mines. Um, and so it was, you know, it was, it was a hard life, a really hard life. And and for the cotton mill workers and for all the other industrial workers of that era, going from 1850 to 1950. And so if they didn't make make fun of themselves or if they didn't have a laugh, their life would be really miserable. Mm. I think that's where it probably comes from. Right. Yeah. I mean, as I say, folks, I'm not an expert in this. It'd be love if any of you out there have like studied that kind of uh concepts or anything then you should definitely get in touch i'd love to talk about it more so when you co when you work with your young people then um you know your biology club your whatever like that i mean it must be i mean i i remember having lots of fun with the students i used to teach you know because when you get to know them especially when you've been in the same school for years i mean i was in the same school for 13 years um you really get to know the students you get you get to know where that professional personal line is not to cross where you can get up to it you can have fun you can have banter but you really engage the kids they really feel like you're treating them like a human being and they get stuck in what 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 is what is the classroom your classroom like then in that respect what what is your biology club like i mean i can knowing as much of you as i do now it must be a riot sometime surely <laughs> yeah we have a bloody good laugh um but that gets results at the end of the day yes um yeah. you know um half of the time well, not half time. You know, obviously, most of the time they're learning, you know. But there is there is a lot of time for having a bit of a laugh. Well, a lot of a laugh with them, you know. Um, do they take the Mickey out of me? I take the Mickey out of them. But as you say, there is that line, and and we both, you know, both sides know not to cross it. Yep. You yep. know. Um, but we do. We have a we have a good fun. We have really good fun. It's the only thing that keeps me going to work. To be honest, oh. um, if it wasn't, I'd be doing something else. And yeah. the little characters—they are the little characters. They're, 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 they've got a, they've got old heads on them, but they are funny, you know. And they they work they work hard, and it's nice to see them. There's nothing nothing nicer than seeing them saying, "I've got that now, sir." Yeah, you yeah. know. And, and oh, is that what's that about? And stuff like that. You know, there's nothing nicer than that. Yeah, yeah. My favorite lessons have always been where you just go completely off piste and like. You're like your lesson plan gets thrown out the window and 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 then you, you know you get that feel i mean folks if you're not a teacher if you are a teacher you'll you'll, um, you'll recognize this if you're not trust me this does ha this does happen you just get that little spark don't you in the room where you're like this is going somewhere i don't i'm not gonna teach the lesson plans out the window this is going somewhere they're engaged they've fired up they've got a spark and then you end up kind of like having like brilliant discussions, which are on a which are on a relevant tangent, but the kids are taking it where they want to take it, you know. And then and you can have a bit, you know, of, I, yeah, have a bit of that's, fun. With that's it. one of the one of the skills of being a teacher, I think, of being able to just um, alter everything when you're reading what's going on in the room. Yeah, um, and the kids love it as well because they think <laughs> a lot of them think that we've got one over on him now. He's not doing the lesson. But actually, what they don't realise is that we are doing the lesson, yeah, that's but it, just yeah. in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that's actually a, a brilliant um, kind of like segue onto your books because your books um, on marine biology for the non non scientists, non biologists, scientists, um, they use a lot of humour in them, um, and that is a, a very good way. Humour and and storytelling is are two very good methods of trying to communicate. Uh, knowledge and understanding onto people who find it difficult to grasp things so um yeah tell us a little bit about kind of like first of all maybe how wh why do you thought 
I'm going to just write these books because obviously a teacher, you're in the job to kind of make the complex understandable to make, you know, non-experts, you know, good at something or whatever. So what drove you to thought, you know what, I love this, this topic so much. I've got a year 10 by me and Bridie club. I take them down the banger. We have a good laugh about it. I'm going to write a book about it. Didn't happen like that. <laughs> yeah. Tell us how it happened then. <laughs> um, I finished uni and, um, I mean, my good lady had put me through uni, uh, so I was about 27, 28, uh, living in Warrington, um, so I couldn't really take take the studying any further. I had to get, I had to sort of like start providing and paying for the mortgage and stuff mm-hmm. like this. So um, I ended up on a farm, working on a farm, and it's a farm that I've known for many years. I used to work on it when I was a kid, and uh, and so at dinner time it was boring because they they had an hour. And I'd eaten me, I'd eaten me butties by fifteen minutes, and I was on my Todd. <laughs> so, so I wrote it then. Wow. I just sat down. I thought, what can I do with my time? I thought, I know, I'll, I'll write, I'll, I'll, I'll write a book. And so I just sat down with a pen and paper, and to no computer there, you know, and then just wrote it. Nice. And then when I'd get home in my spare time, I'd type it up and get it onto electronic copy of it, and then it just just lay there for four for years and years and then I had a car crash oh. and so I was at home and um, our, our, our huge big online retailer came out with self-publishing and I thought you know I'll have a go at this I've got some time I can't go work um, and so so we published it on a Kindle because it was only Kindle in them days and so I published it on a Kindle and it, it went okay and then a few years later, the paperback started, and that's a different story then. Mm. And the paperback went mad. And so then I thought, well, people like this. I'll do another one. And so did the ecology one. And then I thought, well, they like that one as well. I'll do another one. And so I did Incredible Oceans, and that's been the story of the three. And it's just it's, – it's, it's good. I enjoy it. It's good fun. Wow. What 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 <laughs> – I'm going to have to look into this myself. I mean, I've, I have so many ideas balling out my brains that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, was it much? Was it much effort to to self publish, or was it just really a case of you just sub- submit the manuscript and it's just like it's there? Or you just you just um, you've got to learn learn the um, learn how they want it doing and get it all get it all um, edited. Well, not edited, get it all spelt correctly because I'm dyslexic, so I've got to get mm. all that sorted. But once that was sorted, um, then we just put it onto um, just put it onto a PDF and uploaded it, and it worked. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, wow, that was good. So yeah, it was quite interesting. Well, well, it was interesting how to do it, but it was easy as well. It was easy. Are you a business or organization passionate about ethical practices, products, and systems? Is being sustainable, inclusive, and equitable core to your values? And do you want to spread the word amongst listeners who share these ideals? Then sponsor the Coffee and Geography podcast. There are pricing options to suit a range of needs, and you know you are supporting independent educational efforts that aligns with your aims. Visit bit.ly slash coffee geog sponsor for more details. Um, I remember for the reteach uh, podcast, we I kind of like talked about what was your kind of like the funniest stories, and you talked about. Uh, I'm not, I don't want you to retell it because I want people to go and re-listen to that. I'll put a link in the description, <laughs> folks, for 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 Andrew and I's chat or for the reteach podcast. But yeah, we're really funny anecdote about how um, certain sea creatures like urchins just just kind of like nonchalantly bulldoze through other other sea creatures' homes, which is just amazing. Um, so you've got um, I'm just having a look at here now on that so-called website. Um, and you describe the book for as all well, these series of books, particularly the non-biologist one. Anyone from the age of twelve upwards will gain understand the amazing life that exists between the ocean waves. So um, you've brought out. I'm finding it difficult to see what it says here, but you brought out. A, a, there's a second edition now of the marine biologist and non-biologist. So when when did that come out? Um, well, when it first came out, there was no illustrations on it. Ah, okay. Right. That was um, that was always bugging me. That was always annoying me. Um, and then in COVID time, I got COVID. And so 
I was shipped off to this house, an empty house, to isolate. And so I was isolating in that house and I was just looking around and I started looking for illustrations. And then I came across these wonderful hand-drawn illustrations done by naturalists in like 18, 1880 to about 1910 or 1920. And they're just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and of course, they're, 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 they're free, you know, they're, they're not unlicensed. And so I thought, oh, this is, this is just absolutely perfect. And so I just redid it all and got the, um, into, but then of course it's changed. So it has to be called a second edition. And, right. um, yeah. and so then we put that in and yeah, it's made it so much better because them drawings are absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I love them drawings. And and it always gets me because, you know, you wouldn't think the person who was drawing that 100 years ago would have no idea that they would be in a book 100 years later. That's incredible, you know? isn't it? And I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that is so, so incredible. Um, oh, and, and I'll tell you, illustrations make things a whole, whole lot more accessible as well. I mean, as 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 you know, as a teacher, I mean, what would you say, can you describe to us there may be um, an illustration that maybe you came across and you were like, that's just amazing. And it's, and it really complemented your text very, very well. Is there any particular illustration you like is perhaps your favorite in that, in that second edition? Um, probably the cuttlefish. Okay. There's a cuttlefish in there. And, and that was just, it was just, it was just, well, it just, I can't describe it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. These these illustrations, these these illustrators from that period, they did it in a certain fashion, a certain way. Yeah. And it was the fashion of the day that you don't have nowadays. And so they're completely different to what anybody would ever publish nowadays. Um, and, yeah, I, I think they're all gorgeous, to be honest. I've got to say they're all beautiful. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to ask a, I wish I asked this question for the reteach podcast but I did um so I'm going to ask it now right so I'm dreading this uh, <laughs> okay if there's any ocean if you could be any ocean organism what would you be and why <laughs> oh god what would I be um <laughs> I'd be the immortal jellyfish because I'd never die okay <laughs> <laughs> and a he's a wonderful in the backside as well. yeah a wonderful creature yeah yeah no i think my favorite um god what would it be da, 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 da. it wouldn't be a fish or anything like that um it would probably be um god a shrimp or something like that a little a little boxer shrimp or a cleaner shrimp so i could go inside the mouths of more eels and pick them teeth clean and stuff like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're not missing your calling as a dentist are you <laughs> god no no you should see my teeth <laughs> oh that's a, oh that is i don't think i'd ever I, I thought i thought we were gonna go like oh yeah maybe one of these like you know big fishes of wow or shot i was like no a shrimp i love that oh, that has got to be the best answer ever <laughs> can't stand whales can't stand <laughs> dolphins yeah, no, I do like them, but they get too much publicity. Publicity, but they've got to get the publicity to get the money in for the organisation. So yeah, that's but a it's the little things I like. Yeah, that's a good point. And of course, um, you know, things like shrimp, krill, all those kind of crustaceans. You know, they are an exceptionally important part of the marine food web. You know, oh, without hugely. them, yeah, without them, there's nout. <laughs> yeah. So one of the uh, things that um, kind of like overlapping here interdisciplinary with geography now is that uh, a lot of geography teachers will do things like the antarctic food food web and things like that and something like antarctica as a wilderness and and the the older teachers uh, among us may remember that we had a, a really cool decision making exercise exam which was all about antarctica and and the future of antarctica and stuff like that and um and i don't think i think yeah i think the i think krill became some of the kids' favourite, actually, creatures during that unit because they realised how integral they were to that ecosystem in the Southern Ocean and things like that. And and it led to so many other facets, you know, not just of, you know, the fact that it, it influenced um, penguins and it influenced, you know, kind of the way that 
phytoplankton would even you know how much of that was managed with bloomings and things like that but also how it affected whaling and the whaling industry and things like that and how climate change was was kind of like changing all these patterns and if you could if you were to overfish krill and then how that would unbalance the it was just it was just so interesting we could have we could have done a whole unit andrew on just krill alone Really? I, can, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, they are such an interesting little organism. I mean, the the whales now. Fantastic story that the whales now are nice and got healthy populations. And there was a time when they thought that blue whales were going to be on an extinction vortex, but they weren't. Mm. So thinking a few years they'll all be gone. But now that all these whales are coming back, it means that the krill stocks are even more important. Yep. Um, but the problem is, is that there are, a lot of them are in the Southern Ocean where there's no regulation. Yeah. And and if there was regulation, you'd never get anybody going out there because it's so vast to try and enforce it. So, and krill are being taken more and more, are being taken every year. And there again, there's only a certain amount. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's not just it's in you know it's not just Antarctica the the landmass that's that's inhospitable that that southern ocean with the roaring forties and and that circular you know uh, southern mm. uh, southern ocean winds as well and um, what's and of course thing what people may not be aware of is that yes we do have a a treaty the Antarctic Treaty which which kind of like safeguards that part of the world to an extent but it doesn't extend into the ocean it, it stops where the landmass stops you know so all the things about no military activity scientific you know research only you know uh, ecotourism only all that kind of small footprint no you know all that stuff that only extends as far as I, well, what i don't even know is it i had a good question asked by a student and i couldn't I couldn't answer it it was a really good question they said oh does that include the sea ice because the sea ice is not land I was like, that's a good yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, is it just is it just the land based ice? Does it? But it, I don't think it includes the sea ice as well. The Antarctic Treaty because it's so mm. fluctuate. It fluctuates so much. Can you imagine that being so? So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and it's um, you know, good news is is that well, bad news for us Star Trek fans is that means Star Trek Four is never going to happen because we're not going <laughs> to need to go and go back and save the whales and bring them back to the future. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're all right now, but. I can't imagine Star Trek Four being rewritten to go and save a bunch of krill. No, no. <laughs> it would be fun. There could be army of krill with little machine Captain, guns or something. There'd be krill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're spot on though, you, the little the little guy don't get doesn't get the, the, the headlines, doesn't get the exposure. And yet it's the Never bottom feeders and the and and the, the, the crustaceans which are so important. Yeah, never has done, never will do. It's one of them things, unfortunately. Yeah. So when when you took these kids to Bangor then, and they did the, um, you said the phytoplankton stuff. Zooplankton, yeah. Right, okay. Um, what what did you notice that they got out of it? What, what appreciation did these young people get out of understanding what these small creatures were doing for for Well, for when us? we went down on the pier and started netting them, they were all just stood there going, you know, what are we doing here? What are we doing here, sir? What are yep. we doing here? What yep. are we doing? You know, all stood there with their hands in the pockets, you know, and two or three of them got enough um, enough gumph to get, actually get on the pier and start pulling the net and things like that. <laughs> and so then, then, of course, we were just putting the bottles of, bottles of water into the bucket and they're looking in the bucket, they can't see anything, so they're not catching out. You know, going, well, just wait till we get back. Wait till we get, to the lab, we get yeah. back. And so then when we took them back into the labs and then they started, you know, a pipette full of water into a Petri dish, you know, and then they were, what on earth, what's going on here? Look at this, what's this? And it was pure amazement, pure, utter Brilliant. amazement. And, and, of course, the university got identification keys so they were able to, you know, actually pin down different species of zooplankton and phytoplankton. So, yeah, it was, an, it was, an, it really was, it really was. It's, it's, you know, you call it a, a vision into the unseen world, but for them, it really was. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Right. Uh, so, folks, if you're if you're a teacher and you're thinking of of a very I'm not, you know, niche is probably not the right word, but if you think of a very specific thing that you want to do uh, a club on, God, do it. Do it, you know, and yeah. you know, marine bi marine biology might might sound like a very, you know, what's great about that as well, Andrew. Just what I thought, think of it, is that if you've got kids 
who you know kids in general but especially kids say a hard from a hard up background hard up uh, school or whatever it is you know it's such a it's such a, a sadness that you would stereotype them and say oh you know marine biology kind of thing club but that's not for them you know which is Absolutely. but no you thinking that folks is exactly the reason why a, a club like a marine biology club should be in a school like that you know absolutely so mm. that's brilliant yeah good um yeah so folks when when andrew gives gives contact details at the end you know might want to pick his pick his brains a bit more on that and how we how we got on that it's amazing um not a problem <laughs> now you mentioned uh, now you, your sketches in your book uh you're saying that some of them are like dating back to the victorian times I want you to spill the beans here, Andrew, because that's not the only kind of like Victorian thing that you uh, that you enjoy, is it? So you you apparently you uh, love to research where Victorian rubbish dumps are, and with permission, you've you've very stated clearly stated here with permission, dig them oh, up. Yeah. So yeah. this is uh, I'm looking forward to this. You call it <laughs> a poor man's archaeology, but fun. So come it on, t- tell us about this. <laughs> This you know, we're not archaeologists. Have. You know, we're not archaeologists, are we? You know, we're just uh, we're just sort of like diggers. <laughs> <laughs> and you get these. It's nice because you get the old maps. You know, the maps from the eighteen fifties, and then yep. you've got the uh, cold tide maps, and then you get the uh, the nineteen hundred census map and things like that. And you just look around the uh, look around the area, and you look for ponds, mate. I always look for ponds. Uh, and then you drive past and there's no pond there. It's been filled in. It's going to be a tip probably. Ooh. You know, then you contact the farmer. Five, nine times out of ten, they tell you where to go because, you know, <laughs> and I can't blame them. Why would they want someone to come and take all the topsoil off, dig up their field and then put it all <laughs> back again? Why on earth would somebody actually allow you to do that? I've got no idea. Um, but the odd one will. And then the other one is if you go out walking, and you're in the countryside and you, you come across some badger sets or some foxholes and things like that, you'll quite often see broken pottery where they've dug it up because they've dug mm. their, their runs da- actually down into a tip. And so they've brought the pottery. So you note it in your head and then you'll go back, go back a year later and if it's still the set's still being used, you leave it. And then once it's stopped being used and there's, it's all getting a bit overgrown, then you contact the landowner and have a go there. And yeah, normally you, 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 yeah, it's good fun. And then you take the topsoil off, and then the magic begins, because then you've got because what it is is um, what they used to do. They used to have carts, and it was like a like the old rubbish tip man, the rubbish man. You know, like we've got our bin bin carts. They had their bin carts, but their bin cart was a horse and a carriage. Yeah, and they used to go around the houses, and the houses used to put all their rubbish. Now the main rubbish was cinders from the fire right. and bottles that they've been drinking and um, pottery um, and things like that, and maybe the odd shoe. But then also you get a lot of them, oysters, oyster shells. Amazing how many oyster shells there is. Huh. And so then they used to take them away, and they used to just find areas, and they used to just empty the cart, and then they'd, they'd, they'd get so cover so much ground, then they'd cover it with topsoil, and then a farmer could farm it or or it would be a field or whatever. And so then when, then when you dig it up, that's what you're digging up. You're finding all the old bottles and you're finding all the old pottery and everything. And to me, um, it's it's weird because my mate, he bought, how can I say this? My mate bought um, Harley Davidson, yeah? And he, he, he really doesn't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, I was asking him, I said, right, you just spent 25 grand on a bike. You, you're not, you can't ride. And he went, I know, he says, but when I look at it, it makes me smile. <laughs> so when I look at an old bottle, it makes me smile. <laughs> ah. And that's it. That's it. The wife thinks I'm potty. So do most of me mates. Potty for pottery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but, but I get it though. Cause like, like what you said here is like, if you gently excavating it from the soil and knowing that the last person to hold it was probably what in the mid 1800s, that's something, isn't it? It's great. It's lovely. It's a yeah. lovely feeling. Yeah. And you know, you know, when you're digging them up, most of them are broken, 
So yeah. you, you're digging, you're digging them, and most are broke. So, so you you expect you don't expect to find many whole ones, and you don't. But when you do, you, it makes it all that special, you know. And then on the odd occasion, you'll have you'll have a magic day where some really rare stuff comes out, or or you just get a lot of really nice stuff. Uh, you know, that's the you know they're the ones you can count one at one every two years, something like that. You mm. know, but they're the magic days. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, we we were. Um digging out the bottom of our garden in Norwich to when we first moved in there to put a little small little veggie patch in we were we were lucky that we were living in a uh, we bought a two up two down but it was lucky that we had a, a quite a, a long thin I mean the, the garden was only as wide as the house so the garden was just like a basically a long thin green corridor um, because it backed onto a prison in Norwich <clears throat> so there was no land there was no buildings or anything behind it. So we had a very long, narrow garden at the bottom and it sloped downwards. And when we were digging, uh, cause we wanted the water to drain and be irrigated, all that kind of stuff. So we, we put the veggie patch and as we were digging out this veggie patch, we came across a lot of kind of old rubble, which we were wondering whether it was kind of like the remnants of when they were building all those housing estates in the late 1800s or something like that. And, um, and yeah, and we found all sorts of things. I mean, most mostly broken glass and broken brick. We had to be careful. Um, but yeah, we found. I think we found something like. Um, oh, I can't, couldn't really describe. It, but it looked like a. It looked like a spoon, but it was definitely very very old. Um, but instead of it being a, a round end we we eat with, it was kind of like kind of like square. And we thought it was something to do like maybe a fire poker of some kind or a fire, something that yeah. you used to to turn your coals yeah, over. Yeah, or take your ashes out with. Um, so I was like, how old could this be? Because you never see anything like this nowadays. So we tried to look online and we said like, yeah, you know, these things were probably in use like Victorian into the Georgian times. And it's like, so yeah, to pick that. So I think the last person yeah. so we've done. So what somebody has been excavating that area and like maybe just all the junk from all the old, old houses that they tore down, maybe just fiddled down the bottom of that hill. Um, that's absolutely lovely. Um, but I don't be it. Yeah. So you do you did it there as we were talking about earlier in the podcast, isn't it? About self, you know, taking the mickey out yourself, right? <laughs> because I think a lot of people can understand how you feel when you see an old thing that maybe the last person to touch it was over, you know, 150 years old. I feel the same way when I look up in the sky at night because I used to love astrophysics stuff like that. And if I didn't become yeah. a geographer, I'd done that. And the fact that you know, you look at you look at the sun not directly, but you see the sun in the sky and you know that you're actually seeing it eight minutes in the past. That fills me with wonder or the stars millions of years into the past because of the way that light mm. travels, things like that. Is this, you know, it's the same kind of love, isn't it? It's like, wow, you got yeah. a bit of past there. Yeah. It's amazing. So, it's lovely. Yeah. It's lovely, isn't it? Mm. And it's, it's, it's complete. And I tell you, it opens up a new window to how, you know, the way that we, we've been treating the planet and how we've been disposing of things. And we know that the Victorians were very environmentally friendly, weren't we, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> but but that's, 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 that's how we learn geography today and science today, isn't it? It's by looking at these these processes in the past. So, um, no, I, I love that. Thanks for telling us about that. Have you got have, have you got anything in your house? I mean, I'm not asking you to go grab it now or anything like that, but is there anything that you've managed to find you're like, this is gold, this is diamond, this is? My my favourite one, and it, my favourite. I mean, some of these things can be worth a very lot of money, but you don't. I don't do. You don't do it for that. Yeah. My favourite one is one that wouldn't be worth a lot of money. And it's an old gin bottle. Okay. Okay. From about eighteen forty, oh. and it's square. And when you look at it, when you look at the glass, you can see the wood where on the mould or whatever the glass was when the glass was um, when it when it was first made. That's amazing. You know, and you can still feel it. That is, if you can feel it and rub the glass, you know, it's wonderful. It's very tactile. Oh, that's amazing. And so when you mm. feel that, you're thinking, you're not just got the bottle there that exists today, but you're feeling an imprint of something that maybe not exists anymore, that maybe exists yeah. for 200 years, because maybe they've been using it to make gin bottles for longer than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're feeling yeah. the past. That's just yeah, amazing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. The climate, energy, and cost of living crises has us all thinking about how we power our homes. If you're looking to switch for any of these reasons, see if one of Octopus Energy's tariffs is right for you. Octopus Energy are not sponsors of this podcast, 
but they do supply the energy to the house where it is made. If you make an informed choice to join Octopus Energy, use the referral code READFOL15. That's read, as in the plant, full as in a young horse, and the number 15 to split 100 pounds. The split received by us will go directly towards continuing Geogrambling's education efforts, like paying the subscription to maintain this podcast. If you missed that referral code, check the show notes for a link. Oh, Andrew, we're going to bring the, we're going to have to bring the chat, this wonderful, lovely <laughs> chat to an end, unfortunately. Um, a couple of things to do, though, because I'm not letting you go that easy. Um, so what we're going to do now is kind of lead you back to our previous guest. So this is what we do for Coffee and Geography is that we, we get guests linked to each other by a string of words, not quite like the old Bob Monkhouse thing, you know, which which uh, I, I've mentioned Bob, Bob Monkhouse so many times and half the people don't even know who I'm talking about. But uh, <laughs> when he used to do that, you know, the story linking words with each other. Uh, so it's kind of similar to that. It's called We're All Geographers, where um, the previous guest comes up with a word or a phrase that you've got to speak for for 30 seconds. And I, oh, I say God. link it to geography or science, right? Okay. basically because well, you know science geography is a science and science is a geography so um i'm never gonna i'm never gonna i think geography is a stem subject andrew all right if i uh, tell you something me. if i had known this was happening you wouldn't have got me on <laughs> i got <gotcha. laughs> uh, um right it's, it's pretty straightforward though so um last week we had uh shabnam uh, anam on who who did a wonderful job of trying to speak for 30 seconds about um Electrocautery. What the hell is that? Exactly, right? <laughs> right. And folks, you gotta listen back to that podcast episode and the one before that, because it was given to her by Abigail Best to know what I'm hell I'm talking about. I'll tell you after we finish recording, right? Um <clears throat> but Shabnam's given you something that a little bit more you're a little bit more familiar with. She's looking around her desk and says, Okay, um, I'll give the next desk the HDMI. So the cable, HDMI, or the the signal. Right. So basically, Andrew, you've got to talk for 30 seconds about anything you like about HDMI. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe the, the pain in, in the backside you have with it at school. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, Any, that's exactly anything where, you like. so you're ready exactly for- where I was going to go with HDMI. It, Are you ready for 30 the, seconds? The bane, the bane of my life. I've go thrown so many of those cables out of the door. Um, and also a complete and utter ripoff. <laughs> um, absolute Pain in, I can't understand how people will fall for it. You know, you go into a well-known retailer and you buy a telly for one and a half grand or 500 quid or whatever you buy a telly for. And then they turn around and say, would you like this HDMI set? It's only £68. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You're taking the mickey. (laughs) But but people must (laughs) actually buy them because they they sell them at £68. Yeah, you all, know, and all, all for that extra 4K of, of resolution yeah, or whatever, whatever. it is. Yeah. The thing, the beautiful thing about the HDMI lead is not the HDMI lead itself. It's the bloody um, part you plug it into the telly yeah, where you yeah. can't reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got the HDMI and the telly's on the wall. It's easy if it's not on the wall because you can go behind. But if it's on the wall, you don't want to take it off the wall. You can spend half an hour trying to do it and you'll mm, still fail. That's it. Yeah, and... Nope, don't like them. Don't like them. I think they should all be Bluetooth. Fair dues. And also, folks, I mean, again, a lot of people listening are teachers, and I think a lot of them have got love-hate stories about HDMI cables. It's like whenever <laughs> I take, whenever I go do a talk at different schools, I say, oh, do you have a HDMI cable? I was like, no, we've still got VGA. I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, my laptop is like more than 10, is, is less than 10 years old. Come on. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> but uh, but I, I tell you, I, I am going to say this one thing, though. You know what HDMI is good for? programs like planet earth and planet earth three and all that kind of stuff yeah absolutely you know gorgeous gorgeous detail absolutely yeah 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 right fantastic so um but that's that's okay now because for our next guest you get to come up with a word that the next guest can have a little little rant about for 30 seconds can it be can it just have to be a word or can it be a couple of words it could be a couple yeah okay um shopping trolley with a dicky wheel <laughs> okay, we get this is the first time ever. Yeah, because it's always been one word or, or two, a couple of two words. But shopping, but that's something specific, you know, like yeah, a <laughs> shopping trolley with a dodgy wheel. We'll have that. 
we'll have that. How is how our next guest is going to run with that? I have no idea. But will you also apologise to them from me? No, because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll pass that on. I'll pass that on. All right. So um, now I know that you you don't do that 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 Twitter nonsense, and and good for you because I don't do it much anymore. But uh, if people want to people want to say hi, get hold get hold of you, or just uh, see, you know. Obviously, I'll put the links in the description to about your books and stuff like that. But uh, if if people do want to connect with you, because you're you're a, you're a great guy, how could I get hold of you? For, um, for the only one way, and I always there's only one way, and I always answer it's my email, and that's simple. That's Andrew M Kane at gmail dot com. Okay, that's and you have that to be out there. Yep. Yeah, that's C A I N E. Okay, awesome. And have you got anyone else you'd like to say uh, hi to? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the end of the podcast then, folks. Okay, mate, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so yeah, if you, if you want to say, have a shout out to anyone or say hi to anybody, your kids at school or... Oh well, okay then. Yeah, well, all the kids at school, all all my fellow um, educators, whether they be whether they be in the school or whether they be or anywhere in the world, Bless, um, yeah. because yeah, they need they need a tap on the back every now and again. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's lovely. Well, I tell you what, Andrew, speaking to you again just reminds me about why you know I was a teacher and I still work in education. You know, because when we have passionate folks like you who love what they do you know bringing the life and soul and and the joy in it it's you know it when when whenever well whenever we have these kind of debates on the radio on the tv stuff about teachers this education this school this you know it's it's you know speaking to folks like you just reminds you of kind of like the, the people behind the desk doing that job and having these day-to-day interactions with the kids where this might be some of the best interactions they might get in their day of their life so yeah, this is absolutely lovely having you on and speaking to you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been be great talking to you again, Kit. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rave review. Make sure you share and rate each episode as every time you do this. It helps more people find us and continues the conversation. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at coffeegeogpod and send us a DM. Or you can email us at coffeegeogpod at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep jogging. Folks, that we've, we've, we've basically had... One minute. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> this is we have to have walkie talkie because we're out in the shed. <laughs> Can you please give me like five minutes to finish this recording? <laughs> five minutes. <sighs> Don't edit that. No, no, I'll put it at the I'll put it at the end as a as a no, I take. <laughs> <laughs> oh kids. Right. So but that's the first time I think